Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. And what's up, what's up? I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. It appears we have switched places. Um, in more ways than one. Okay. Chris uh, looks like he is in a Gamecock Central voting booth today. Um, stole back our other Gamecock Central banner, I guess, man. So how's it going? Yeah, man. It's going well. Uh, I liked your remix also. Over there turning the tables. A little bit scratching, little remix well, for our intro. Yeah, well, I was clicking the intro, and on my side, it would not, it would not play. So I don't know, like, so then I just kept. What does everybody do when something doesn't work? They just keep hitting the button. So right. on my end, it wasn't going. On y'all's end, it may have just been, I don't know, uh, hitting a little turntable. But anyway, we're here. What's up? Um, Leave it to Facebook. Uh, my man says we are so late today. Um, at two at two oh one, we are so late. Um, hope everybody's doing well. It is GC Live. We are brought to you by Affordable Medical Equipment. Check them out. AffordableMedicalUSA.com. Eight oh three nine two six fourteen ninety three. They are, of course, home of the game day chair. If you're watching the show, you see it right above my head right now. If you are listening, then uh, whenever you get a chance, please check out our great sponsor at AffordableMedicalUSA.com. A little bit later on, we'll tell you more about the game day chair, and we'll tell you about Dead Soxie, one of our other outstanding sponsors. As we roll into a Monday, we're going to, of course, talk a little bit about the game, talk a little coaching search, and um, maybe a little bit about the future of the program as well, because I've been thinking a lot about uh, – Chris, the the early goals for whoever gets this job, um, as far as not on the field goals, not even getting to that point. I'm talking about what are they going to need to do in the first few months on the job to get this thing rolling in the right direction? Because we have seen some modern the, the approach in the year 2020 is different than the approach even five years ago, I would say, when uh, when Muschamp took over. There are different elements at play, not just, Chris, in the fact that it's 2020 and all the sort of pandemic aspects, but, but other aspects a- as well. So we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into the game and um, – Maybe talk, you know, we'll, we'll take your questions, whatever it is else that you guys want to talk about. It was a busy weekend for South Carolina sports. Um, football team, of course, loses to Georgia. Basketball team splits two games, goes one and one. Women's basketball team played two fa- fairly close games over the weekend, won both uh, as they go 2-0 and on the weekend. Um where, where do we start, Chris? Do we start with coaching search or do we start with Gamecock football as far as the game? You know what? Let, let's start with coaching search since you asked. Okay. Sort of, let's just sort of set the table there so that we can sort of let everybody know in a general sense where things are because a lot of people are going to be wondering about that, and then we can move on to some other matters like the game, like some of the big picture stuff you are talking about. So coaching search-wise – You know, I think the biggest takeaway from the weekend, just with what we've learned, is that it's not as if there's some huge bit of news. There wasn't all this movement over the weekend. There wasn't anything crazy that happened. It wasn't like the first several days of the search where 
there's information flying left and right. What we do know is that, uh, you know, still some more interviews to be done this week, which we're expected to wrap up this process. And from what we've both heard, Wes, I think independently, right, is that this thing's still tracking in a way to where, you know, South Carolina can probably hit its timeline, you know, which has been sometime before the early signing period, if possible. And it does appear that it is very possible that they can do that. Now, how soon is that? Still depends. But, you know, having having something ready even in the coming days, you know, um, is entirely possible based on what we've heard. And so, you know, in terms of names, I don't know that there's really any new names out there that we haven't reported on GamecockCentral.com. We had an update that we rolled late last night. For those of you who are members, we hope you are. More detail there. And, uh, you know, maybe another one coming tonight or tomorrow, just whenever we get some more fresh, you know, information on where things stand. Yeah, so um, search continues on. Um, I I do think there's sort of been a sense of people saying, hey, guys, like, when when, when is this going to happen? Like, can can we get this thing over with? What's taking so long? And – you know, I was asked that on, on JB and Goldwater earlier today, and I think we do have to take a step back and think about the fact that these, you know, in, in internet time, anything seems slow, right? Right. But in 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 real world, in reality, this is an actual search process. This is an actual uh, hiring process where you're interviewing people you have to you're you're about to hand this guy whoever it may be the keys um to a multi-million dollar enterprise basically for lack of, of a better way to say it. it it is a multi-million dollar business so even if and, and you know there, there's been a little bit of jumping ahead you see um and, you know, Shane, Shane Beamer's the guy. There's been some jumping ahead as far as people may be believing that. Um, they're going to – and he very well could end up being the guy. There's so much traction there, so much buzz. I, If I'm going to interject my personal opinion with everything we've heard, you know, you would – if you were making Vegas odds, you would rank Beamer at the top of the list as far as the odds of percentages – He's the next guy. But the process still has to be completed. So that that's what this week is, I think. It's making sure you've, you know, crossed your T's, dotted your I's, and that you've done you, – you've sort of done all of your due diligence uh, on this. It, you know, it, is there somebody else you need to talk to before you make that final decision? Um, you know, is there a big name you've been going after that – you want to make sure it's completely out uh, before you make a decision. All these things, I think, are considerations. And like you said, the the, the ideal date, the sort of target date, has still not been passed, and the target date is still very much in play. So I think we it is natural for us all to get ahead of ourselves a little bit, but we just have to let the process play out. And even then, man, it's not like it's just over. As soon as the head coach is named, you quickly have a recruiting period set to start December 16th. And you have, you're going to be chasing who are the assistant coaches, who's coming in, because my, mama and daddy don't want to sign that line on Wednesday without not only knowing who their future head coach is for their kid, but also, who's their position coach? Who's their coordinator? So, yes, it would be a great deal for South Carolina. It would be a big deal to go ahead and have somebody in place um, fairly soon. But the quicker you get that in place, man, I think that starts the process of getting the rest of this thing, the rest of the staff in place as well. And that's a big part of this. you know. And look, we've said this a bunch of times. You know, South Carolina isn't trying to rush through this hire and just say, let's just get somebody in here. That's not it. 
But if you do find your guy, get it done, you know? And so, and there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, this day and age, you have to, the, the sort of harsh reality of it is you've got to recruit your own team, basically, you know, that this is a team that's in a state of flux. They've had a change. They've had their head coach is no longer here. Uh, they, they know realistically there are going to be a lot of assistant coaching changes. Uh, they're not sure who the next guy is. And so that needs to happen to get the new guy on campus, to get the staff hired, to sort of stabilize the program. Then you go to recruiting, which is obviously going to be very important. Now, that's going to be a big challenge this year for a lot of reasons. Number one, you don't already have, you know, a, a big time quality class in place. South Carolina has already lost some of the more quality players from the 2021 class. You're going to be right up against the early signing period. You're going to have everything being conducted virtually, even up until the late signing period in February, because it's still dead until the middle of April, at least. So everything's going to be virtual. And so these create a lot of challenges. So it's going to be about being resourceful, getting guys in as soon as possible to stabilize the team, to stabilize recruiting, try to get in on some guys. You're going to have to be really resourceful. I imagine there's going to be, you know, a lot of guys within the state of South Carolina that this, this new staff, ends up taking another look at, right, to see, you know, if, if there's any possibilities there. Um, so it's really going to be – that's going to be one of the more fascinating parts of it is, is how is the recruiting part of it handled. Wes, we, you and I, I mean, we cover recruiting as a big part of our job. We haven't been very busy with that part of it for a long time, you know, and, and so that's about to change in a hurry. Um, we, we don't know what – you know, in what way, what's going to be around the corner, but there's going to be activity on that front for sure for the first time in quite a while. So really interested to see how that part plays out, but definitely getting in somebody in as timely a manner as possible for recruiting purposes, for stabilization purposes, getting the staff built. That's obviously hugely important. And that's why there's been such a big push for it. Shout out to all of our uh, folks on our yet to be sponsored, yet to be named chat line here by the way if you're listening and you got a business and you want to be a part of our show here on gc live uh, hit me up hit chris up we'll be sure to get you on here um if it's a good fit so jared on periscope we're of course on facebook youtube and twitter slash periscope says a staff is staff is equally if not more important than the head coaching job and in the year 2020 in the modern college football landscape i i tend to agree man i mean it's going to be about not just hiring the right fit for head coach. It's going to be about firing. It's going to be like hiring the best fit for your staff. I think, Chris, if you're going to look and sort of see the blueprint of how it's worked some other places, um, people maybe hate that we go back to the the, the Clemson thought and, and the way they've done it there. But one thing I will say about Dabo Sweeney and his staff that, or his staffs that he's had there over his time in Clemson, he's been able to not just hire good coaches, Chris, but they've done a good job of hiring good coaches who are loyal. They, they don't have a lot of coaching turnover there. Um, they do not have guys leaving for lateral positions. So you're hiring the right guys from an output standpoint, but also from a that they want to be there and want to stick around standpoint. But then also, Chris, they've done a good job, I feel like, of having a plan for when guys do move on. They're, they're able to sort of build up a young coach in some instances to go out and, and sort of replace them within their Clemson culture. So – now, sometimes you make a move, you make a change when, when you have to, and you go out and, and go for the big fish and you go get, you know, a Brent Venables. But other times you're, you know, you're, you're building up a, a Tony Elliott, um, you know, underneath a, underneath a Chad Morris to sort of take over he and Jeff Scott as co-OCs. And when they've lost people, it's generally been to bigger jobs. So I think you have to sort of all those things to me play in as far as building a staff. It needs to be some guys who are loyal to the new coach, some guys that want to be here. You don't want to just be over – that they're just jumping for for a new paycheck. 
<clears throat> and Chris, I think you have to have a combination of youth and experience. Um, you, you you can't have all of one. You can't have all the other. It has to be a combination of those two things um, to build the, the sort of perfect staff on paper, I think. Yeah, and you know, the perfect staff isn't necessarily going to be who are the biggest names who've coached at, you know, the most SEC schools, whatever it may be. Obviously, when you're building your staff in this competitive environment, it's going to be very helpful and very prudent to have some guys who have been involved in some big recruiting battles, who know sort of the landscape of the SEC or the ACC or the Southeast. Those things help. You know, if you took a staff, you wouldn't feel as good about taking a staff from a recruiting standpoint who say, you know, only been at the FCS level, most of them ever. And then you just plant them in the SEC and say, good luck guys. You know, especially at a school like South Carolina, because that has to be a consideration, right? It's, it's a different ball game recruiting here than it is to an Alabama or Georgia or some other places like that. And so you have to bear that in mind. So it's about, for anybody, it's about, you know, the head coach establishing culture. If he calls plays or something, great. He needs to be good at it. If not, then the coordinators need to be really good. You need to be able to have some staff stability, some guys that understand how to recruit to South Carolina, can evaluate, can get it done, and then begin the process of, of building things up back again. Um, I saw a couple of questions, Wes. I was going – or a couple of comments slash questions. One uh, – Neil Brown was asked about several times, still in the mix. We have a more detailed update on Brown from last night, uh, but he's still a guy that's being mentioned in the conversation for sure. Ty Adams said he literally learned nothing from this segment. Sorry, bud. Uh, if you have any specific questions, let us know, and we will be glad to uh, to answer them for you. But, yeah, I just wanted to get to those real quick because I saw them and wanted to hit them real fast. Yeah, and Chris, Neil Brown, a guy that um... – We've talked about actually for a while now. Um, it, it does seem like that name, as far as you know, maybe some national media people st- has started to get a little more mention now um, than it did early on. But uh, you know, it was a guy we talked about, like I said, pretty early in the process, and someone that it, it makes sense why South Carolina would be interested. And um, I, I think the question there, Chris remains the same that it was in the beginning how how interested and we don't have an answer how interested would neil brown be in actually leaving west virginia is it one of those things of and let's sort of you know get the name out there let's have the conversation is it i want to get out of town i'm you know I'm, i'm not happy here or is it the completely other end of we we know how agents i mean we know how this stuff is Coaching search, the stuff that just gets thrown out and thro- thrown about by agents it is over the top. And I'm not saying that's definitely the case here. I'm just saying from the very beginning, that's been the question. Neil Brown's name has been in this mix. The question has been, how high is he on South Carolina's list? He seems to at least be in the mix. But then – if South Carolina said we're going, we're going in on on making this the potential move, would he ever actually leave? Remain for me remains the question w- with a Neil Brown. Yeah, certainly one, and you know he he has a lot of uh, things that you like. He, he's someone I've always liked as a coach. I think he's a really solid person. Does a really good job with culture. He's recruited well at places he's been. He's more of a program builder type. He has some some things on his resume at Troy. I mean, everybody probably remembers the – I know it wasn't a win, but everybody that sort of put him on the map, the six-point loss at Clemson the year that they won the national title, uh, going to LSU, winning in Baton Rouge at, at Death Valley, snapping the, at that time the nation's longest home non-conference winning streak, building that program up. Now at West Virginia, people are looking at it saying, well, what is he, 10 and 10 or something at Big 12? But didn't inherit a great situation there from my understanding. And just a really solid coach, really solid person, and an offensive-minded coach um, that does have some ties in the Southeast from a recruiting standpoint. Um, but that is, I think, Wes, the, the bigger question is where where are they? You know, both, sort of both sides. And we continue to hear enough to where we know 
that he is at least in the mix. And I do think talks have been at least the possibility of talking has been on the docket. You know what that means. We don't know yet. You mentioned the whole thing about separating the agent world stuff. That's one of the hardest parts of all this. A lot of times if you're reading and I'm not sliding any national guy on this, but a lot of times the stuff that gets out on the bigger national platforms, a lot of that's going to be agent driven. You know, um, like for instance, I read something just today saying that Steve Sarkeesian's drawing, you know, I can't remember the ad. He was drawing big consideration for the South Carolina job. He's really not at this point, you know, but that's something that people read that. They say, oh, you know, he's drawing big consideration. So you do have to separate that. And and, and I do think you're rarely going to get through a coaching search where there's not some agent stuff that's put out there even with guys that are legitimately in the mix. And so with Brown, that's been a little bit tougher to ascertain because it has been pretty quiet up there in West Virginia on their end. Uh, But again, we do know there's some interviews still going on this week, still set to go on to finish out the process. Wes told us, you know, where things are actually at in terms of, you know, whatever you want to call it, clubhouse leader, Vegas odds leader. Um, And we'll just have to see where the next several days go. So I I think the, some some people may say when we say um, Neil Brown is still is still in it, um, they may say, well, well, that's what what does that mean? That that's not telling us anything. And I, I say you almost have to play process of elimination with, with some of this. Uh, so when we say Neil Brown is still in it, that's sort of our way of saying: can we definitively say? Neil Brown has been gaining ground or gaining traction or gaining buzz or anything like that. Can we definitively say that? Probably not. But we can definitively say that he's not been eliminated or that he's not lost ground. I I feel like we can say that. Whereas I think, Chris, you can go through some of these names just like you sort of did with Sarkeesian you can sort of eliminate him. He would be the bottom of the board if you were doing Vegas odds. Um, I think we're safe to say Hugh Freeze would be – the. there's a reason we haven't been bringing up Hugh Freeze on the show or on the message board. Um, I mean, semantically, how, how would you say it? Do you say Freeze is eliminated or do you just say, hey, Freeze is – if we're still talking in terms of Vegas odds, Freeze is way down here. You know, he, he's not really and, – and I think uh, something you've hinted at, something you've posted about as well, Chris, I, I think – can you say Billy Napier is eliminated? I don't know if you can go that far. But I think you can say farther down your Vegas odd board potentially. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and that is, that is one where you could say moved down over time for a variety of reasons. You know, I think it's a both sides sort of argument um, where a lot of people, I think, had the perception, like there was this perception when the coaching search started where sort of people draw lines <laughs> for whatever reason and say, so Billy Napier should be number one, so he is. And it's sort of that reality that's created. It's not really true. You know, like it made a lot of sense, certainly on the list, been conversations, um, and, and as far as I know, remains on the, on the list and under consideration, but has slipped over time. I think there's, you know, he's never been number one or at the top of the board, so to speak. I don't think there's always been a lot of intrigue around him. Um, and he's always been high in that pecking order. Number one, I don't know if you could ever say that. And over time, you know, there's some other jobs that have the potential to open in the Southeastern Conference with Auburn, Tennessee, Everybody's sort of looking at those. Um, and then the fact that South Carolina has also had eyes on other candidates, aside from Billy Napier, I think has created a situation where it's not nearly as likely as it looked at the outset. Like if we were setting odds on this, we talked about this a lot before the season, Wes, where, hey, if this goes wrong, who are the first guys that we're going to be digging in on? And Billy Napier was always probably the first one that came up. Hugh Freeze, as Josh said, Josh Sanders on YouTube, he said he was never really considered. I wouldn't go that strong. Drew a lot of consideration in the beginning because obviously Hugh Freeze is a guy where you look at the offensive 
pedigree, what he's done as a head coach, you know, the, the sort of excitement he would bring on the field. Right. Um, but it didn't take long for that to get knocked down a peg and, and gradually, you know, we, we reported for instance, the Sunday night that Will Muschamp was dismissed. We had an initial coaching search update and we said right then, Hey, from what we're hearing, Hugh Freeze is not going to be nearly as likely as, as some other options for, you know, all the, all the, uh, other non-football stuff that we've, uh, that we've read about with him and some that we have not read about. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of this stuff, again, man, it becomes semantics and it's like, um, you can take the same sentence and interpret it multiple ways. Like, for example, um, he said uh, Freeze was never really in it or never really considered. And as you just said, what what does that what does that even mean? Does does it mean Freeze was never? I, I think it's safe to say Hugh Freeze was never ever close to being South Carolina's head coach. Now, does that mean they didn't kick the tires and just look into it? Maybe ask some questions about what happened at Ole Miss. Ask some questions about where things are right now. Uh, you know, that's not to say they didn't do the work of seeing what that would look like. I think there's a lot of evidence that they did. And then a lot of evidence that they sort of said, mm, probably going to go a different direction, you know? So uh, I don't, I don't know if we necessarily always have to deal in absolutes, you know, like, oh, they never even considered them. They looked into it, but that's just not, the direction necessarily that they're um, they're heading, and I do think, dude, there are semantics semantics involved in even. I mean, we've seen this with one particular candidate, even of whether somebody interviewed or not. Like, did you know? And so, at, at what, especially you know, at what point is it an interview? At what point is it that you sat down with somebody and talked about the job? You know, like people can twist words to mean anything they want. And I think what we find is that there's this weird line, Chris. Coaches, especially sitting head coaches, they they like their names being on other being on hot boards online. They like their names being in the tweet that says, hey, look out for this guy, this guy, and this guy from the national media person saying look out for these dudes for the South Carolina opening they love that because their fan base sees hey that SEC school wants my guy their agent is going yep let's have this conversation Mm -hmm. but they hate their name being mentioned mid-season with the word interview. Yep. Did you That's do, Yeah, Scott Scott Satterfield's name was mentioned with the South Carolina job in the coaching world before the job even opened. His name was mentioned with the job from the second it opened on on internet sites. The second someone said the word he's interviewing He's putting out a statement that night. Yep. So coaches love to enjoy the, oh, these other guys want me, but they don't like to deal with the, it's almost like they went on a date with another girl when they were already engaged to, you know, their current person. It takes away your deniability when an interview is set then it's not, especially when it's not reported, they they have asked to interview. They would like to interview. If it's he is going to interview, then it's whoa, 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 because that takes two to tango, you know, and and that takes away your deniability, which is what you want to have in your back pocket and, and can affect recruiting because then it's not just, yeah, that school does want me, but I'm staying or I'm not going to talk to him. Or I'm, when it's interviewing, that causes a lot of issues. I remember with deniability – I went back and read this story last night because I recalled it just thinking about coaching stuff when Texas was going after Nick Saban back in the day, went uh, right before Mac Brown resigned. And Jimmy Sexton had had reached out to some people on the board of regents there at Texas 
and he had actually provided a number for them to call. That way, Jimmy could always argue that they called him, not not that he was calling. You know, and, and it was just one of those little things uh, that was just that was just so funny. And and Jimmy Sexton, as we know, I mean, obviously he's a he's a master. You know what he does especially in the SEC and down in the Southeast, you know, really runs the show in a lot of ways with a lot of coaching hires. So, yeah, for, for those who don't know, Jimmy Sexton is the behind the scenes, I would dare say puppet master. The kingmaker. Or, yes. <laughs> he's, the, he's the guy behind the scenes in the agent world moving pieces around. So when you, when you as USC Gamecock fan says he's the agent for like all the candidates when when an agent has is representing multiple candidates for the same jobs controls all the power so it, it's it's really crazy the lengths that are gone to in major college football when it comes to these coaching searches and how many different things get put out on the internet, some of which are just rumors and complete rumors. And then, Chris, probably some things, honestly, that get put out there and get passed over as being, oh, that's just a rumor. And maybe is actually 100% true, but gets just lost in the shuffle with all the other rumors. Um, so so you, you, ne- you just never know with this stuff um all right so neil brown we talked about what that would look like i think the sentiment among the fan base has grown towards the idea of shane beamer i think early on there was a some pushback i think as more information of what a beamer uh candidacy would sort of look like has come out people have opened their eyes to to that possibility um, to sort of bring in somebody, I think the Gamecock fan base maybe looks at it. Some people as bringing in one of their own, as opposed to an outsider, a guy who is obviously comfortable within this program, a guy who understands this program. Um, is it outside the box a little bit? Y- yes, absolutely. Chris, I get the impression that. Beamer checks about every single box South Carolina is looking for from the aspects of who he is and what he could bring potentially as a coach and person. The only box that is not checked with Beamer, again, I think I'm I think this is a read on the people who are making this decision. The only box is that he does not have the, the resume. It doesn't say head coach by his name. Now, if you were going to just say we're going to hire the best resume, Shane Beamer's not your not your next head coach. But I think they've tried to go beyond the resume and are trying to say who brings the most of what we're actually looking for in the human being and the coach and the plan and the passion for this job. And that is why I think Shane Beamer has gained so much traction as this job has progressed or this uh, search has progressed. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Right. And I think it depends also on what you're looking for on the resume. Some people do not want to hire a coach unless that coach has been a coordinator. Now, why is that important unless the guy's calling plays? 
I don't really know. Um, I guess we'd have to ask the people who who make that argument other than maybe it shows you're responsible for an entire you know group one side of the ball um, and, and maybe gives you some leadership capabilities in that regard or something of that nature. But um, you know the coordinator thing I don't I don't know that that's not on his resume aside from special teams coordinator, right? But you know, for instance, one I just thought of, I mean, just off the top of my head, is is say Jim Cheney, who's been a really good offensive coordinator for many years at multiple schools. From a resume standpoint, if you're looking and goes, who has the better resume? Well, Jim Cheney's been at you know Tennessee a couple times and Georgia a couple times. Does that make him a better head coaching candidate, you know, than Shane Beamer? Probably not. You know, I, I mean, so I think the the biggest box check that he does not check in that is not the coordinator thing, but as you said, Wes, head coach. Now, if you're looking at um, experience on the resume that matters for South Carolina, I think you can make an argument for sure, and you could argue against it if you'd like, uh, that his his relevant experience for South Carolina could be more beneficial than, say, if somebody's been a coordinator for two years at some school or something and doesn't have a lot of familiarity with South Carolina, hasn't been in the SEC a lot, hasn't worked under numerous head coaches, things of that nature. So you're right. It seems like the approach has been, at, le- at least when the power brokers have been assessing Shane Beamer for South Carolina, is that they are sort of looking at the experience that's relevant for this job on his resume rather than, you know, maybe just some progression of, okay, he's been position coach and then OC and then, and now he's stepping up the head coach. Yeah, there's a great article I found from about a year ago on um, – Tom, is it – what is the name of the huge coaching scoop site? Is it coachscoop.com? Coaching scoop? scoop. Football scoop. There it is. Um, football scoop, they do a great job of diving in into all that stuff. There's a great article from last year talking about how the – Characteristics and qualities for a head coach are not don't directly line up with the characteristics and qualities that make a great coordinator. Um, now, now do some if if you have all the qualities, then then great. But OC is more about X's and O's, game day play calling. Um, development of an offensive system, sort of more uh, strategy type stuff. A head coach. Now, again, if you're a head coach who calls an offense or defense, you better be great in those areas. But you also better be really good at managing two things at once because you're trying to run your offense while running the team as well. So I think with – with a Shane Beamer type hire, you're counting on again hiring a great OC, hiring a great DC. That's really the only way it works. Let's be completely honest. We're not nobody on this show or on this site are, is trying to blindly sell anyone on Shane Beamer. We're trying to answer the question of why is South Carolina considering this approach and why does the OC DC lack of experience maybe not matter as much if you're looking at a head coach in this sort of way of doing things. It's, it's like hiring a CEO or a manager of a company. Their focus is more day to day on the big picture of the program on making sure that the culture is fixed, making, making sure that everything that goes out from your program is sort of relaying the message that you want from, from internally. Then on game day, your approach is maybe more so on um, the mindset of your team, motivation of your team, um, making in-game decisions as far as going for it or, or punting, clock management type stuff that does, frankly, sometimes get lost in the shuffle when somebody's having to call plays as well. So um, that's not to say that any way of doing things is right or wrong. Former OCs and former DCs go on to be great head head coaches as well, but it's just not necessarily the requirement that 
maybe some people have assumed it is just because initially that that used to just be how things worked, Chris. You became a you worked your way up, you became an OC or DC, and then you got your first um, head coaching job. But it's also the Peter principle where you you go you rise until you're out of your league and you get dropped back down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it's a it's a great point, you know, and I think what you know, another sort of explanation, like you said, Wes, this is sort of explaining the line of thinking and just some things that we've heard, you know, with a guy like Shane Beamer, if you don't want to count him, count somebody else that might not be a sitting head coach right now, you know, is that you look somebody who look at somebody who can recruit and build a staff and put together a culture um, and understands, you know, this is a, this is not a plug and play place, you know, right now it is not. Um, you know, even when you when you go back, and we could really get in the weeds here, and I won't I won't go there. But it, Steve Spurrier era, they did some good things for a few years, but they sort of floundered a little bit. They got had some signature wins. You know, Tennessee was down. They went up there and beat those guys. They beat Urban Meyer's first year. They had some success, right? Clemson wasn't nearly nearly what they are now. Um, and then they had a great run of in-state talent and made some coaching changes, and they took advantage of those things, and they sort of did a great job in state and some out of state guys like Connor Shaw to where they sort of caught that lightning in a bottle. Right. And they were really, really good for a few years. But aside from that, you know, this is a different place. It's not a logo school. And so what can you do? It's not as simple as much as people want to make it simple of just hire the biggest name head coach and he'll come here and win. South Carolina has done that twice. You know, with Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier, both did really good things. Spurrier, especially taking this program to heights it's never been, but there's not that guy that's sitting out there right now, you know, is the point. Are there some really good coaching options? For sure. But this thing is always sort of a crapshoot. And so you're looking at different characteristics in guys, different plans, and trying to, you know, pick the ones that you feel could work at, at, at different places. You know, and and especially you, for South Carolina, you have to look at what could work at South Carolina, and you have to go make that decision. Yep. So we'll see, um, Chris. Before we get rolling, we're going to talk a little bit about the game here in a second. Um, let's talk a little bit about the game day chair, and maybe if once all this is over, everybody can just sit back, relax, chill in their game day chair. Yeah, it's going to be cold this week, so maybe throw on some comfortable dead soxy socks and um, hang out and, and uh, maybe watch, uh, watch some more football. Yeah. So if you enjoy the show, make sure you do check out our sponsors, guys, the game day chair from affordable medical USA.com. Give them a call at 803-926-1493. Or if you click on the links in our YouTube description, or if you're listening on the pod later after you download it, uh, click on the links there. It's the maxi comfort cloud with twilight. Awesome fabric, super roomy, multiple seating positions at the touch of a button, uh, power pillow, lumbar support, most comfortable chair you've ever sat in. So make sure you check those guys out. And like Wes said, getting cold. Steve Fink, SID for South Carolina, made a note to pack long johns this weekend. We will have to tell Fink, make sure he gets some dead soxy socks as well. He probably already has. So go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com, and use the promo code SPUR. It is Cyber Monday. SPUR, S-P-U-R, buy one, get one free. That deal is still good, according to our fine friends at Dead Soxy. So if you buy, put one pair of socks in your car, in your car, in your cart, and then you can put them in your car once they come, put one pair in your cart, Get another of equal or lesser value for free. And, guys, you can use the promo code SPUR, S-P-U-R, as many times as you want. Non-slip technology. Uh, No-show socks, boardroom dress socks from Dead Soxy, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Make sure you go order some. Yep, buy one, get one. Code right there, SPUR. Um, We had, let's see, Alex. Alex just ordered some, so there you go. Uh, Hey, be like Alex and order, um, order some socks. We had a good question here from Brandon. I do want to get into the game a little bit, but we got time. Um, Brandon said, Wes and Chris, can you talk about the priority slash importance of the next coach to address early signing class versus selecting the right staff versus winning over the locker room? 
that that's a good question, Brandon, because because it's a good question because it's very hard to answer because all three of those things are supremely important, I would say. Um, and I'm thinking on the fly here, but Chris, I'm I'm, I'm going to try to give Brandon an actual answer versus they're all tied and they're all important. And all, frankly, all three will have to be addressed within the first, you know, X number of days of, of the hire. But I think first and foremost, you got to turn to your own guys. You have to introduce yourself to the locker room. You have to have a very strong message to your guys. And I think part of that message has to be, let's be real. I already know some of you are out the door. Some of you have already thought about leaving. Some of you have already pretty much decided you're leaving. Give me a chance. Give give You don't even have to give me the spring. Just give me a couple of weeks to settle in. Let's sit down and let's have a conversation about your future in this program and your concerns and why you're moving on. To me, as important as all those other things are, that is the most important thing. Then, Chris, I think selecting the right staff is next only because now if you're if you're the head coach, you're going to call all the committed guys right off the bat, I think, and introduce yourself. But as far as actually salvaging this recruiting class and potentially even adding new guys, you have to have a staff around you in order to logistically do that. So I would say staff comes next. And then now that you have your staff in place, it's seeing what you can get out of this recruiting class. Agree or disagree? I agree with that order. I agree with that order because, and, and I'm not diminishing this recruiting class, right? It, it is still important. If you, if you have, if you, for lack of a better term, if you tank a recruiting class, it can affect you in the future. That said, people need to understand this recruiting class for what it is, what it's going to be. You can't set the bar very high given the circumstances. South Carolina was in the in the 40s from a ranking standpoint when Muschamp was dismissed. Now, is the class maybe a little bit better than that, you know, than on paper? Maybe so. But that's where it was. And now they've lost several of the best, better players from even that group. And so it is a concern. And then all the other concerns we've already laid out, you're up against the clock. Um, you have two signing periods. You know, when, when Will Muschamp got here, you know, he was able to go hit recruits and you had one and it was in February. So he didn't get here and was and completely up against the clock. And I have got to sign these guys. I mean, he had a little bit of time and even then it was frantic, you know. So now you got two signing periods and you got COVID. So it's not like, well, let's just get these guys on campus. So I have a chance. So all that to say is still massively important. But those other things are going to set the table for recruiting. And it's more important that you get it right long term. Um, now, you do have to start. I've asked several people about this uh, sort of trust and posed a version of that question. And recruiting your own roster, so to speak, has been told to me as being the most important thing. There's some guys on this roster that if South Carolina finds success in the future in the next couple of few years, if they can turn this thing around, there's some guys on this roster that are going to be critical to that, you know, to that effort. And I think we know who a lot of those guys are. And so South Carolina needs to be able to keep them in the fold and stabilize them. And so that'll come, A, from the head coach, the locker room, and then, B, it'll come from the staff once it starts coming together. And it may be that it comes together fairly quickly, and that helps you with the locker room anyway. Yeah, I think, Chris, ideally – you're 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 going to be waiting on some guys as far as assistant coaches because they're going to be finishing out their current gig first. Mm-hmm. But ideally, 
wouldn't you love to have a few guys already in in the boat uh, helping you paddle? You know, like a few guys yeah. who are already just ready to to hop on board and 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 start moving this this thing forward. Um, we'll see if that's possible. We'll see how much that even plays in. If if you have a, a two or three deep worth of candidates you'd like to hire, and they're pretty equal, and one guy says, "I can be there Monday." The other guy says I can be there in January. <laughs> yeah. You're probably telling the Monday guy to start packing, you know, come yeah. come on down. So that, that could play a, a factor as well. Um, all right. Charles Green still wants Chris to be the next head coach. And, um, man, Charles, I appreciate your dedication to the cause, man. You and some one of my family members is really all about this idea. And so I greatly appreciate it. Can I be your recruiting coordinator when you get the job? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, I'll take it. Um, all right, so the actual game, which is the most afterthought of a South Carolina-Georgia matchup in the history of South Carolina-Georgia matchups. Yes. Chris, I dare say it played out, honestly, exactly how it probably should have on paper. I, Dude, so I pulled up. PFF's grades for the entire year for South Carolina's defense. And of the top nine guys on there, eight of them will probably not play for South Carolina against Kentucky. Um, Ernest Jones obviously being doubtful and the newest name on, on that list of high, highly regarded, either banged up or COVID reasons guys that that are out you go into this game with a (laughs) an offensive line for Georgia that is as massive a defensive line that's athletic big strong etc and a freshman quarterback for South Carolina and I I thought Georgia's offensive line just set they set the whole stage for this entire game now I commend South Carolina's guys for continuing to fight. There was a point early in this game where it looked like it might be a 70 to nothing football game. And South Carolina's offense, commanded by Luke Doty, who uh, I thought was a warrior. He was getting hit over and over and over again. He kept getting back up. He kept fighting for more. And – the offense without Shy Smith, uh, with a, a Kevin Harris who we find out has been playing banged up, which makes it even more amazing what he's done. A center who's playing banged up, they at least hung in there, right? And they avoided. I think they avoided embarrassment, which is what it was when it was twenty, you know, twenty-one nothing right off the bat. You're like, this could be bad. Yeah. They hung, they hung in there. They were never going to win this game. I hate to say it like that, but they weren't. Um, but they fought, and I think you sort of have to commend the guys who are seeing this thing through. I mean, Luke Doty in his very first start, right, um, and did some good things against a really good defense. That's the thing. Like, South Carolina performed better on offense – with a freshman quarterback making his first start and really his most extended act. I mean, yeah, last week he played a half, but this is his first full game. Kevin Harris is banged up. You got other people banged up. You got no shy Smith. You don't have a lot of receiving threats anyway. Nick Muse is banged up. He was, remember, questionable coming into the game. And they played better than other offenses have against Georgia at full strength, right? So that says something. Now, should everybody pop champagne about it? No, but it does say something. Defensively, I mean, complete mash unit. I mean, we we knew. I didn't think there was – South Carolina did more moving the ball and scoring points than I anticipated. I'll say that on offense. And defensively, it was about what I expected. I thought after, like you said, West that 21 nothing margin, I thought it was going to get a lot worse in a hurry, and it didn't. You know, the, the end, the brakes got pumped a little bit, et cetera. But, I mean – Rod, the top two snap getters on defense were Rod Fitton, who's barely played this year, and MJ Webb, who has 
played more as time has gone on. Tonka Hemingway was questionable. He had to play 29 snaps. Joseph Anderson played 21 snaps. Gilbert Edmond played, has not played this year. Um, Jordan Rhodes, who's moved over from offensive line, he played. Devontae Davis got a snap. Hadn't played all year, I don't think. So, I mean, and then you saw, I mean, Kaba and Ernest Jones, who were two of their three healthy linebackers, really, both went down with injuries and, had, and you know, came back, and Ernest Jones ended up having to leave. So just a complete mass unit against an offense that, you know, has a lot of talent. And at times, I mean, Georgia's offensive line, they dominated, which given the circumstances, you couldn't say it was unexpected. But they did hang in there. They fought. And I think that's what – that's all under the circumstances I think any Gamecock fan could have asked for in this football game. Nobody went in expecting to win, but they fought. Um, so, Doty, again, making first career start. Uh, he, he goes over on our buy or sell, the 150 yards passing. I, Chris, I, I, think, I think this was a great – as much as I – and I'm sure Luke probably woke up bruised and battered on, on Sunday. I think this was probably a great learning experience game for him. And I say that because you could instantly tell that that Georgia defense was bigger and faster than Missouri's as far as um as far as separating from you know rushing defenders and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I, I think there will be very few defenses that Luke Doty will face. I would dare say in his college career that are faster than, than what he faced on Saturday night. There may be some that are as fast, but not many, I, I don't think, as far as that have that speed and SEC size. So – I think it's a learning experience as far as um, seeing how, how the windows close a little bit tighter, seeing how guys close in on you a little bit faster. Um, he kept going, he kept going back out there. He kept that infectious high energy and he, he kept battling. And I think what, what Bobo has said, and Chris, the thing we've learned about Mike Bobo, he does not blow smoke. <laughs> He he said, you know, he said, you know, well, Luke, Luke maybe missed a guy here or there. Luke could have um, could have kept on a couple of zone reads. Complete honesty, sometimes to the point of like brutal honesty. I think from somebody like Bobo, but when Mike Bobo, who's been around a lot of quarterbacks, says this guy has what it takes to build around, that the moment's not too big for him that it's not too fast for him. He's able to process the information fast enough. To me, that that says a lot about the potential for a Luke Doty and what he could possibly be for this program. This this will be invaluable experience. The second half of Missouri, the full game against Georgia, the full game against Kentucky, which will be a little bit different type matchup for South Carolina. Um he will he will only learn from this going into this offseason. Yeah. And so Luke Doty on the we both sold that, right, Wes, the buy or sell presented by Bishop Real Estate Group, 150 passing yards. He was at 190, 18 of 22. And uh, you know, just you know, sort of warrior mentality. You need 22 Luke Dotys. And and there are certainly some young players on this team. This goes back to what we were talking about with the new coach. Luke Doty, obviously critical to the future of this program. And there's some guys, um, I think, in that 2020 class, which against all odds, probably ended up being one of the better ones, at least at some positions in, in, in recent you know, memory for South Carolina, at least um, with some of the guys they brought in in that group. When you look at Marshawn Lloyd and Birch and Jaheim Bell and Eric Shaw, even some guys that we haven't seen a lot of who have a chance to be really good. And there's some leadership qualities when you look at a guy like Luke Doty, aside from his talent, just the leadership that he brings. And I think that's, that's all been on display throughout the year, even when he wasn't, wasn't on the field. And now that he has seen the field, I think you can start to see some of those things. Give me a team full of 
Luke Doty's, Zaquandre White's, Ernest Jones's. Yeah. Give me a team of those guys, and you're going to win a lot of games, I think. And I think, Chris, that's what South Carolina has to build around, is going to be prioritize guys that that love football and build the foundation of your roster on guys like like that group. Because – I dude, I, I I generally do not respond to people on Twitter a whole lot when they're just trolling. But I I got so pissed because this guy responded to my tweet about Zaquandre White playing all three ways and said he played awful. And I'm like, dude, this guy obviously wants to be a running back. We all know that. This guy has been um in a situation all year long where he's been down the depth chart, but all he has done is play his tail off on special teams, continue to uh, encourage his teammates after every play. And I'd like to see who the last guy to play the snaps he did on offense, defense, and special teams in the same game was for South Carolina. And actually, he he had the, the dropped kickoff. But in South Carolina drives 98, 99 yards on that play and or on that drive and scores anyway. So didn't end up even mattering. But actually, I thought it played pretty well. Was first guy down on all those punts, as he almost always is. Had some decent runs. And even I, I was watching him. I don't know if he got in on any plays, like making a play on, on defense. But he was in the game at, at safety hustling around like always, trying to get his head in there and make a play. So um, I I think you, you look at a, a guy like Saquandre, and those are the type of guys you want to be able to build a program around, build a culture around. Um, the dudes that just say, we're not going to worry about the fact we're down by three touchdowns. We're not going to worry about the fact we've only won two games and this game doesn't really matter. I'm just going to go play. And um, I think South Carolina needs a little more of that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, the the, the Luke Doties and Zaquandres, and I mean, Sidarius Hutcherson's another one, you know, you could think of with his leadership capabilities, not going to be around any longer next year. But guys like him with with that mentality, you know, is something that I think I think you've really, you know, something that you got to find, something that's very, very important. Um and I was actually, Wes, reading something earlier um, about – I was just going back and doing some research on, on just, I don't know, coaching stuff and saw something from Steve Spurrier, actually, when they were in the midst of a lot of success at South Carolina. And he was talking about uh, – to Columbia Metropolitan Magazine, actually, for some reason, was doing an interview with those guys. And he was talking about sort of the culture that had been built there at South Carolina and and they their question to him was really more of how have you guys found so much success he said well you know we we ended up getting some good coaches here but he attributed it to the players and sort of the culture that they had built there and how when they started getting Stefan Gilmore was one he mentioned Marcus Lattimore Devin Taylor was one DJ Swearinger and he talked about how those guys set the tone you remember Wes when South Carolina recruited that 2009 class, those guys were coming in and leading and they were beating the seniors in terms of their leadership. And Spurrier said that it sort of just started trickling down to where that was the standard that got set. Connor Shaw said it the other day, the best cultures are player led. And so fortunately, when you look at the program, you don't feel like it's bare cupboard at all. Are there some challenges for the next guy? Oh my goodness. There's a laundry list of them. But there are some guys here that have an opportunity to where you could build a foundation if you can keep them around, do some things in recruiting. Um, you know, th- there are some guys that I think can help you in that leadership department. No doubt. Um, all right, y'all. I think that's going to about do it. Um, I will say, uh, and Craig says, Chris, you're about to be on 107.5. So I am. I guess uh, you need to hop off here. Uh, but, uh, Hey, shout out to Craig. Craig listens or watches our show all the time, but nobody listens or watches more Gamecocks 
media as far as radio and these shows than Craig. So, Craig, we appreciate you letting us be one of the places that you do watch and, and listen. Um, one of our loyal guys, uh, Gamecock Russ on here as always, Travis Edwards, lots of our loyal folks in the chat today. We appreciate it as always. Um, I tell you, man, real real quick, we're, we're going to save this later on in the week or maybe even next week. We're going to talk about the blueprint for South Carolina moving forward for the new coach. But one thing that should not be forgotten, dude, South Carolina has got to go out, whether it's a freshman, whether it's transfer portal, whether it's JUCO, something that I've not seen mentioned a lot. But they have to go out and find a true zero or one technique, space-eating defensive tackle, true nose guard type to eat up blocks in the middle because that is something I believe they are desperately missing right now. As much as they are missing a DJ Wanham, a Javon Kinlaw, I sat there saying this team misses Kobe Smith a lot too. So whoever the new coach is, to me, that's maybe not the most glaring issue, but that is a huge issue, I think, for this program moving forward. Like I said, though, let's be thinking the next few days, Chris. I think that would be a great show talking about a blueprint for what needs to happen for South Carolina moving forward. Maybe that even gets pushed to after a hire is made, but I think it's a great conversation and something that we'll dive into later on. Um, You got anything else, man? Go hop off, man. Do a radio show. So if y'all want to tune in to 107.5, go for it. We appreciate it. 107.5, a sponsor of Gamecock Central, uh, technically. We are a sponsor of 107.5 as well. A little trade-off deal there. But for Chris, I'm Wes. Appreciate all the support, everybody watching, everybody listening. Y'all have a great day, and we'll see you all on Tuesday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.